movie Civil War, uh, Captain America Avengers is kind of the backdrop today, a little bit to kick off. So it, it, just in case some of you aren't fans of the movie or you know, haven't seen the movie yet, let, let me just tell you just a little bit about it, enough to set up this sermon at least anyway, because that's what it's kind of doing, is uh, these are all the good guys. And you, you saw the clip just a few moments ago of, uh, of all of the, uh, the, the Avengers you know, coming at one another. All good guys. Those are all the good guys. You know, they're, they're supposed to all be fighting on the same side. But, uh, you know, whenever, you know, whenever they had uh, a time that they had to fight a bad guy, you know, superhero movies, blockbusters, you know, those things, there's always some collateral damage. I mean, you know, we would be disappointed if a building didn't fall down or something didn't blow up in flames, you know. Uh, we'd be disappointed if that didn't happen. It had to happen. Every time they're fighting something, there is some kind of collateral damage like that. And sometimes, you know, when you're watching a movie, it's no big deal, doesn't look like it, but you forget, well, that was somebody's building, somebody's business, or maybe somebody's home. And sometimes people lose their lives as well. Well, because of that, the governments of the world, okay, we're still talking about this movie, okay? The governments of the world, they, uh, they decided they needed to put some guidelines and regulations on the Avengers. And uh, so there was always already a little bit of discussion going on there, but with this outside interference from the government, yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and call it that, this outside interference of the government's coming in, it kind of made them discuss it more and debate it more, and, and the debate got so heated, I mean, in, instead of them coming together, they really split up. Now, Captain America and Iron Man, they are kind of the, not necessarily elected, but de facto leaders of the Avengers. And so it's kind of like, you know, and they were the two that had these differing opinions and different perspectives that one said, yeah, I agree. The, 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 the government should give us guidelines and, and we should, we should work under them. And the other said, no, we, we may have to not, uh, sometimes, you know, disobey what the governments want because of politics and other things going on. And, and we may have to. So this grew and grew and grew until finally, and you, you saw there at the end of that clip, you saw how the good guys were fighting one another. They were trying to defeat one another. It's, it's like, you know, they had totally forgotten, you know, what they were really all about. The Avengers were really supposed to be about. So, Instead of, instead of fighting against the real enemies, instead of protecting and defending the people who needed to be protected and defended, they were fighting against one another. Are we still talking about the Avengers? Kind of sounds a little bit like our own government here in America, doesn't it? Instead of fighting against real enemies, Instead of protecting and defending the ones who need to be protected and defending, we're fighting the wrong battles in a lot of places. You can say amen or not, you, you're, you're, whatever you want to do there. But that's, that's, that's what's happening a lot in our own country. So maybe there's, maybe there's a, a, a moral equivalent, an example for us in this movie just for our, our own culture that we're growing up in today. But maybe it's not just those people out there. Maybe also sometimes it's the Christian church who is instead of fighting against real enemies, instead of protecting and defending the ones who need to be protected and defending, they're fighting against one another. Christians and churches, come on now, you can say amen or owe me here. Because yeah, we, we, we see that happening. So maybe there's, wow, there's even an example right here for that too, for, for churches that, man, sometimes we lose sight of what it is that we're supposed to be doing and we're fighting the wrong battles and against the wrong people and we're not fighting real enemies we're fighting ourselves. But maybe it's not just the government. Maybe it's not just the Avengers. Maybe it's not just 
churches, but also our homes and our own families. That our own families, instead of sometimes fighting against the real enemies, instead of protecting and defending the little ones in our family, what we do is we fight with one another. And, and listen, Church 2911 is, is a church that reaches out to the unchurched, the de-churched. We, we, we do that really hard. And so we've got a lot of people here that have, that have just come into church and they're bringing in, their, bringing in their, their issues and their problems and their struggles and their battles and their mistakes and, you know, and all those. We you know, used to say used to call it sowing wild oats, so they bring in all the wild oats that they've sown, you know, that are growing. And so let me, we've, got, we've got families sitting in these two services today that, yes, they are right here. Instead of fighting against the real enemies and protecting and defending one another, they're fighting against one another. And some of you might say, well, that's not, thank God, that's not us. My family, we're, well, let me tell you, you need to be careful because what was just a little, if we go back to the, the, uh, the illustration now, this example from the movie, what was just little, you know, little discussions and debates, once there was outside influence, and once that, that debate began to be inflamed, it, it, it blew out of proportion until finally those who were supposed to be allies were fighting with one another, and, and, and like Scripture reminds us, those who think he stands, you better take heed lest you fall. Those of you who you think your family is perfect, you need to take heed and be careful because there are a lot of outside influences today. A lot of them that are coming against your family and pouring stuff into your family. And if you're not careful, it's going to, going to take little bitty things and make big deals out of them. You know, uh, Deva, yesterday she, she recorded a, a, an episode of a, of a show. I, I guess we probably watched it when it was actually aired live uh, for the first time years and years ago. But she recorded it, especially for Brooklyn. She said, you know, your mom really liked this show too. And she recorded that and for them to watch. And Little House on the Prairie, you know? I, I don't know if you, you, you remember the show and some of you younger ones may have no clue whatsoever. It's about the prairie days, about pioneers and all of that. And you know, watching that and looking at, looking at that show and the scene, I thought about 15, 20 minutes of it yesterday and seeing that and then thinking about today, a lot of things have changed, right? And some of them for the good. I meant indoor plumbing, you know, bathrooms in the house. That's a good thing, right? Amen. I think we can all agree. That's a good, some, some change is good, but some change isn't. The involvement of the parents and the lack of almost, almost complete absence of outside negative influence into the families in those days. But you and I today, we're, we're bombarded with, our kids are bombarded with it, and even your spouse and you know, you, you guys, you got a really close, close-knit relationship right there while y'all are together. But when you're, when you're apart and when, when you're in other parts of, of the community and things, yeah, you, there, there's a lot of influence, negative influence on them. And so we all have to be careful that even if things look great right now, for the Avengers at one point, things might have looked great. But they were in an all-out civil war, and it happens, even to the best of our families. I want, I, want to, I want to say something here, maybe, maybe the strongest, the thing I want to be, the strongest statement of this whole message. So I want, to, I want to read it to you. When leaders are not where they should be, doing what they should be doing, all kinds of things happen, mostly bad. You get that? And, and, and I want to go ahead and just zero in today, right now, right here, on dads, spiritual heads of the house that when leaders are not where they are supposed to be and doing what they are supposed to be doing, dads, I'm talking to us, 
When we are not in the place we're supposed to be doing the things we're supposed to be doing, lots of things can happen, and most of them are bad. When we aren't leading as we need to be leading, uh, Tony Stark and, and Steve Rogers, they needed to step up, be that's Iron Man and, and, and uh, Captain America, they needed to step up and be the leaders, but instead, you know what they were doing? They, were, they, were just, they just began to bicker with one another and just argue and try to win the battle, and, and instead they, they lost sight of what the war is. This, this is not... This is not the war. These are just the little battles. We can't lose sight of those things. We've, what they needed, the Avengers needed, was for somebody to say, look, this isn't about my opinion and my perspective. This is about what is right. Somebody needed to step up and be the leader. And in our families today, we need somebody to step up again and be the leader. Dads, come on dads, we have abdicated. A lot of us have abdicated our responsibility we have stepped down off of the place that God has called us to be. And it's not to be the boss. It's not to be the one who makes all the decisions and, and gets all, all the best of it. That's not what is it, but he has called us to be leaders. Now, let me, let me show you this, just three scriptures right here real quick. Proverbs 29 and 18, where there is no vision. Where does vision come from? Vision comes from leadership. When there is no leadership, then there is no vision. And when there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keeps the law, happy is he. How can people keep the law unless they know what the law is? How can people know, uh, keep the truth unless they know what the truth is? How can your kids live righteous lives unless someone is stepping up and making sure they know what righteousness is and what right, and what right is and what wrong is, what truth is? Without the leaders, there is no vision. Without vision, people perish. And, and then in Matthew... Uh, Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed. They were helpless like sheep without a leader, sheep without a shepherd. What is the leader of a sheep? A shepherd, right? And so when the sheep, doesn't, when the, when the sheep don't have a, a leader, they don't have a shepherd, they don't have leadership. And so what, what happens when uh, people like sheep don't have leaders, don't have a shepherd? They are harassed. They are helpless. And Jesus had compassion on the people because you know what? It wasn't the people's fault. Sometimes... It's not your kid's fault what they go through. Sometimes it's not your spouse's fault what they go through because you were the leader. You made the decision. You stepped up or maybe you didn't step up. Maybe you didn't make the decision. Maybe you made a wrong decision or maybe you didn't make any decision. And, and so the, the sheep of your family, the sheep of your home were, were hopeless. They didn't have any help. They didn't have any leader. They didn't have leadership. And lastly, this is in the book of Ezekiel chapter 34 verse 5. God says, so my sheep have been scattered without a shepherd. And they are easy prey for any wild animal when there is no leadership in the family. The family gets scattered. And then when the family gets scattered, they are easy prey for the wild animals. We, we, we used the scripture last week, 1 Peter 5 and 8, to be sober. Don't be drunk. Don't be silly. Don't be up and down. Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary is like a roaring lion looking for whom he may devour. Dads, Listen. Be sober, be, be, be persistent, be diligent, and pay attention because without you in the place that you're supposed to be, Dad, your, your kids, even your spouse, is going to be like a sheep without a shepherd. They're going to be hopeless, and they're going to be easy prey for the wild animals of this world. And, and, and let me tell you, there are some wild animals in this world that are after them. So, you know, and I, I never... And I've actually said this in sermons. I mean, I've made this a point in a sermon before, is that I don't make it a habit to use absolute statements. You know, 
like the most important thing you can do. You know, I, I, I don't say those things. I learned my lesson one time of saying that because I said that one Sunday and two or three weeks later, one of the first churches I pastored, I said the most important thing you can do is what? And everybody repeated the thing I said two or three weeks ago and that wasn't what I was preaching that day. So I learned my lesson right then, right? So be careful when you start saying the most important thing is. But here today, I'm gonna tell you one of the most important things. Okay, I, I think as far as this message goes, I think as far as what families need from the, from the spiritual head of the house, from the, from the dad in the house, from the, from the husband in the house, I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give this to you today. I think that one of the most important things and maybe the most important thing that families need today is they need a father's presence in leadership as a leader. Okay, let me, let, me, let me say this this way, just a little bit, just to uh, help you understand what I mean. You can be somewhere and still not be there. You know what I mean? Some of you bosses, some of you that are bosses, you have employees that they show up, they clock in, but they're still not there. You know what I'm talking about? Or, or, you know, at dinner, you know, you get all the family together and you all have dinner and you've got teenagers and maybe others sitting around the table and they're there, but they're not there. You know what I'm talking about? And so, come on dads, you know, you know where they learn that kind of thing from us? Well, they learn it from, or where they learn it from, they learn it from us. Because dads, it's easy for us sometimes to be there and not be there. They need dads, they need fathers, they need husbands, they need spiritual heads of the house to be there in the position of leadership, to not just be there, but to actually be there and give direction, to give leadership. There, there are, there's a ton of outside influence that is leading them down other paths. And, and, and dads, if we're not gonna step up and give the leadership that they, they really, really need, if we're not gonna do that, they're gonna follow a totally different path, okay? Now, secondly, they need a father's presence as a leader. And secondly, they need a father's consistent example as a man of God. As a man of God. Where in the world are the little boys in your house going to learn what it means to be a man of God? Now, I'm, I, I've watched my own two kids grow up. And now I'm watching my grandkids grow up. I've got a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and a four-year-old. And I'm, I'm watching them grow up. And let me tell you something. I, I, I can tell you this with absolute certainty. The time you have to pour into your children is going to go by extremely fast. It is going to go by and fast. And you, and you know what? Here's what I see a lot of dads doing is they think, well, one day I'm going to tell them this and this and this. One day I'm going to teach them this and this and this. Can I tell you something, dad? When they turn 18, 19 years old or whatever time it is that you finally decide you want to teach them something, or 15 or 16 even, or even 12, 13 or 14, there is no amount of talking that you're going to be able to do then that is going to undo what the example that you lived before them in that first 10, 15 or 18 years. You need to be very serious today about being the example, the consistent example as a man of God. So they understand what that means. You have to be the, be the example to show them. You gotta show them what a man of God looks like. You know, you know um, the other day, and some of you may have seen my, my Facebook post. Uh, I think it was Friday, I had a couple of hours with um, Colin in Brooklyn. Colin's five years old, and, and uh, that day we were running around lots of different stores looking for some stuff for Davis, and she's been kinda shut in, recuperating, and all of that. And, 
And uh, every place we went, he either wanted candy or toys. You know, so we finally get last place we grew into that day is Publix. And he, again, he asked again, I want, I, I want a toy. And so, but look, you've gotten toys, you've gotten, you've gotten candy, you've gotten sweets, you know, you've gotten some stuff like this. You know, we've already had dinner. We already had, we're not getting anything here. Now, he's also, that day, he would also, he was really kind of focused in on being the gentleman that day, five years old, you know, just, just five years old, but uh, we, we went to the McDonald's in uh, Warrior, and uh, they had an indoor playground. There was a little girl, couldn't get out the door. You know, that door was too big, she was pulling, he went over and opened the door for her and held it for her. And he, he was just doing some things like that. He was being the gentleman that day, you know? And so we get to the last store. We're standing there at Publix, a, a cashier. She's there and about, probably about my age or whatever. And, and uh, she overhears him because Colin, he doesn't whisper. And he said, he's, you know, and he's asking. And I'm saying, no, 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 we've already, and you've already, you know, done, do that. no, not here. You know, we're about to leave, about to go home and all that. Just not here. And he said, I care about two things, ladies and toys. I thought the cashier was just going to absolutely fall down laughing. <laughs> Ladies and toys. Now, you can take that one way. <laughs> but you know what he, was, what he meant, really? What he meant was, I'm interested in being a gentleman. I care about ladies and being a gentleman. It's because that was, that was his theme for the day or something. You know, he was a gentleman. I want my toys. <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to be a gentleman. You know, can I tell you something? He didn't learn that from the Disney Channel. He, he didn't learn that from some kid at daycare. He learned that because somebody was teaching him that, speaking that to him, and being the example before him of doing that. Being, being that kind of a person, that, that's what we gotta do, guys. We've got to be the example. And the example has to be a consistent example. Because if it's, if it's not a consistent example, then the example we're giving is the example of inconsistency. And everything, you're not going to do it just by teaching it. You're going to have to live it. You're going to have to be the example of it. You're going to have to show it. And, and, and I, I didn't know I did this in the first service. Didn't know I was going to do it today, but didn't know I was going to do a commercial for Bradley. But thank you, Bradley. Happy Father's Day. You had a good little, got a good little plug here in the middle of this message. They'll be in the dad for, for Colin to, to, to be the example, to show and to do that. He needs to see what a godly man looks like because they're not going to show it to him. But you know what? If you've got a little girl growing up in your home, she needs to see it also. You know why? Come on, think about it. Because one of these days she's going to grow up and she's going to start looking for a man to give her a ring. And when she gets to that age, you don't want her looking for what the world tells her she needs. You want her looking for the man of God. And you know where she's going to get that example? She's going to get it from you. When you teach her by your example what a man of God looks for, then when she begins to be uh, an older teen and start thinking about those kinds of things, she's going to be looking for the, a, a young man to spend the rest of her life with that is a man of God like the example that she has had in her life. And so are you going to be the good example or are you going to put it in somebody else's hands a bit? That's what we do, Dad. That's what we do, Dad, is we, we either become the example that our daughters can look at or we put her in the place of having to look other places, for example. Thank God, we got a lot of young, young adult Christian ladies here that you've got some good examples around you that you didn't have maybe growing up. Thank God for that. Because a lot of young ladies don't have either. 
And so they have to listen to the world. We have to be a consistent example. Love God and teach your kids to love their spouse. I got to stop and preach here just a little bit. Uh, this, this, this page right here, this slide right here, there's two hours. I could, I could preach, so I said in the first service, I could preach two hours on this page right here without notes. There's plenty of stuff there that, that we could preach for two hours just without notes. Love, teach your kids to love their spouse by example. Because here, here's the thing you're doing, Dad. If you've got a little one, if you've got a little boy and, you're, and, and if you, your kids are grown and you've got little grandkids, come on, Granddad, you do it too. But what you're doing, when you've got a little boy in, in your house and you love his mother, what you are doing is you are teaching him to love the women in his life. You are teaching him to, to, to be the gentleman. You're teaching him how, how he ought to treat the women in his life, his, his mom, his sisters, his, you know, his, his uh, you know, uh, own girls that he's going to have one day maybe. You're teaching him those things. And, and the way he's going to learn to be the gentleman is because of the example. But it's not just the boys. It's also the little girls. If you've got a little girl in your house, what you are doing by loving her mother is you are showing her how a man is supposed to treat a woman. This world is telling your daughter, and if she's too young, they might not have gotten around to it yet, but they're going to really soon. And if you're watching the same shows I'm watching on some of those channels that I won't name any more of them, but if you're watching even the shows directed at them, they are already beginning to learn this. The world tells your girls that they are objects they are to be objects for the pleasure of men. And I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm not talking about way on down. I'm talking about right now. They're telling, that's what they're for. You are to be objectified. That's who you are, women. And so that's the, that's the lesson that your girls are going to learn. But when you love their mother in front of them and you show them, and you are the example and you are teaching her by the example and loving their mother in front of them, what you are teaching her, when you show that, that, that their mom, your wife, is worth loving and worth treasuring and, and, and is worth someone sacrificing for, what you're doing is you're planting the seed in her that she is going to grow up and she is going to say, I am worth loving, I am worth treasuring. I am worth somebody sacrificing for because my mom was, and that's the example that God has given to me through my dad. That's what you're doing, dad. That's, that's, what, that's the power. God, guys, you've got to realize we have, we have amazing power within us to train the next generation. They're right there before us, but we'll never do it because it's our words. Here in Deuteronomy, this goes way back, right? Back in the old, old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter six, God tells us how we've got to do it. These commandments, God says, that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Impress them. Don't just say them. Impress them on your children. Talk about them. Talk about these things. When you sit at home, talk about them. When you, when you walk down the street, when you walk around, along the road, when you take walks with your kids, talk about these things. When you lie down and you take a nap, when you go into bed at night, talk about these things. And when you get up the next morning, talk about these things. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. And we don't really do that these days, even though some of you do have tattoos or whatever. You got scripture on your arm or whatever. But what he's saying is, he's saying is, surround your, your kids with them. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates 
all of these, what is he saying? He's saying, you can't just say it. You got to say it over and over and over and you got to live it and you got to give them the example. You got to surround them with it. You have to be the example of what a godly father and a godly man is. You have to be that example and you can't do it just by saying it. You've got to do it by living it. You, you, You ever heard like the term of somebody who lives it, what, eats it, breathes it, drinks it, sleeps it, and all that. That's what he's saying right there. He's saying that's the only way that you're going to be able to, to, to give your kids, to give your family what they need, is you're going to have to, that kind of an example. Okay, let me, let me give you, a, let me give you a, a, a new title, some of you, for you to think about. Think of yourself as, as the man or, or the spiritual head of the house. Let me, let me give you one right here. It's priest, okay, priest. Now, some of you, you, you've thought of this, well, I'm priest of my home. You've thought of that, some of you. Some of you never thought of that before. You need to start seeing yourself as the priest of your home. If you are the spirit, spiritual head of the house, meaning that you're the dad, you're a Christian, you're a dad, or you're, you're the Christian mom, if dad isn't a Christian, or you're, you're the oldest Christian in the home, you are probably the priest of your home. You need to, you need to embrace this title. If you're a single person, you need to embrace, you're the priest of your home. Some of you who are single today don't plan on being single the rest of your life. You need to be priest of your home right now because the stuff that's happening in your home right now, it's not going to go away one day when you say, I do. You're carrying it with you, okay? So you need to be priest of your home right now. Here's three things. This is another place that we could preach a long time. There's so much stuff here. Let me just say three things real quick that priests do. This is from old, all of these, kind of from Old Testament, even though these are, a couple of these are New Testament scriptures. Priests right wrongs. Uh, Leviticus 6, 7. In this way, the priest will make atonement for them before the Lord. When there was sin in Israel, God set the priest up. You are the person to make things right. The things that are wrong, you are the person to make things right. So in making us the priest of the home, God has given us this place. That's what we're here for, guys. We're not here to come home and, you know, and, and just hear how the day went. We're here to come home. And you know, you, you ever heard us say, or you ever heard anybody say, guys, we're fixers, right? You know, our wife starts telling us something, we, we just get the tools out. We're, we're fixers, right? God made us that way. We like to write things that are wrong. That is, that is part of our DNA. And so when we come home, and, and, but we don't really want to mess with it, they, no, we, we can't do that. This is what God has done. Whatever is wrong, and whether it's wrong in the family or wrong between the family and God, it is our responsibility. We are the ones. We're the ones who, we have to start this, guys. Whoever the spiritual head of the house is, you have to start this. And secondly, sacrifice. Ephesians 5, 25. Husbands, love your wives. How? Christ is your model. He's your example. Just like he loved his church. And how did he love his church? He died for her. And when God made us the head of, of the house, he didn't make us the head so we could make all the decisions. We could, you know, we could say, we're going to do this my way so that I, no. He put us in a place for us to be the sacrificers. For us to say whatever it takes for them uh, and to meet needs. First Timothy 5, 8, anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household. Some of y'all need to read the first part of that. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household. Their relatives. I don't have time to preach this message, but if you've got any question about that, about what that means, you can come tell me and I'll preach the rest of the message to you, okay? Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially those of their own household, has denied the faith and is worth, worse than an unbeliever. Okay, he's talking about people not providing, not getting up and going to work and providing for their family. If you're not doing that, you are worse than an unbeliever, God says. He's talking specifically about financially providing for your family. And if you don't do that, you're worse than, a, worse than a, an infidel. The King James Version, I think, defines that word as, you're worse than an infidel. 
What about spiritually? What about emotionally? He's just talking about physically, but surely emotionally and spiritually, we're supposed to be providing for those things too. And so if those things have got to be at least as important, spiritually it's got to be more important than financially. And so if, if someone who doesn't provide financially is worse than an unbeliever, what about somebody who's not providing spiritually? We must be worse than, worse than an unbeliever. You know, if we're not providing spiritually. So we have to make sure, be the priest. But that's not the full title I want to give you that I want you to go home with today. I want to tell you just, just, I want to just look, kind of, kind of whet your appetite for the story of Benaiah. Okay. Benaiah, he, uh, he's a man from the old Testament. He was one of David's mighty warriors, the 30 mighty men, valiant men that fought alongside David. And then he stuck by Solomon once Solomon became king after David's death. So he, he, Benaiah, and, and I, I want to tell you the story, but there, there's, there's a couple of really, really, really cool stories about Benaiah. But they're so short in the way they're told. If I tell you a little bit, I would tell you everything. So here's what I want you to do. Is I want you to go, you go to the Sunday's page, and there's a whole lot of stuff on Sunday's page that I, I knew I wouldn't get to today. I got a whole two paragraphs at the bottom that... We're, we're not going to get to it all that I put there on purpose because we wouldn't. But when you scroll down and you see his name, you'll notice it should be on your screen. It should be blue or, you know, hyperlink color for you. Click on it and it'll take you to a page that lists scriptures that tells the story of Benaiah. You need to go read these. Okay. And if I tell you just a little bit, I'll tell you everything. Cause we don't know a lot about, you know, uh, these, these are, these are some of those stories that, you know, when you, when you get into the afterlife, when you get into eternity that you want to run up and find where's Benaiah. And I got to, you got to tell me that story, Benaiah, cause there was just so, so little that is told in the Bible. I got to know this. This, this is one of those times that I really hope God has video of, of what happened, you know? I, I know there wasn't video back in those days, but I believe God can show us video. You know, instead of, uh, instead of uh, Captain America and Avengers, the X-Men and all that, uh, you know, I, I really hope God's got his own movie theater, you know, in eternity, that we can go and see some of these amazing stories and fill in all the blanks. Because Benaiah is one. If you'll go read that this afternoon and realize, wow, yeah, there's some story to be told there. I would like to see that fight that is told. One of those fights is that I would like to see where he went in and did that thing. I would like to see that. I really hope God lets us see that, okay? And, and I'm saying this to you because I want you to know, and so why, why, why is it that you want, because I want you to know it's not just about being a priest. Let me give you another scripture right here about Benaiah. First Chronicles 16, 6. The priest who? Benaiah. And Jehaziel. Benaiah was a priest? Yeah, he played the trumpets regularly before the Ark of God's Covenant. He was a warrior. Oh, read those two stories this afternoon. He was a warrior, but he wasn't just a warrior. He was a trumpet-blowing warrior priest. That's who he was. And so just being a priest, I think this is what God has called us to be today, man, is warrior priests. You're to be the warrior priest. You know, some, some people think their, their, their job as, as a dad is to fund and feed their family. That is not what God called you to do. That is part of, there, there's a calling, and part of that is funding and feeding. But that is not what you are called, I believe, especially in this day and age, to be a warrior priest. To do those things I was talking about a priest does, but to be the warrior. Why? Because there is a war going on. There is a war going on for every soul that lives in your house. And if you don't know that, you are probably the most blind Christian in the world today. Because there is a war going on for every soul that is in your house. God has called us to be warrior priests. 
And I want to help you right now just kind of kick it off. I want to help you right now just take your place. If you haven't yet, some of you are very new to the Christian faith, and you don't, you don't know 99% of what I've said today you've never heard before. And so, so I want to help you get started, guys, or spiritual heads of the house. I want to invite you to come join us at the front. I want to ask you, men, spiritual heads of the house, grab your family, come down with them. Let's all come together, if you will, and stand together. If you're a first-time attender, we'd like to close down front with a final song and a final prayer. And if you're comfortable, we'd love to have you join us. But come together as a family today and stand together as a family. Got one last little thing to share with you. We'll have a word of prayer. and Jamie will lead us in a final song. And then we've got something for you, Dad, so don't, don't, don't hurry out, all right? Don't hurry out. Prayer team is getting in place to pray for you. Dads, here, here's the next step for you, okay? If some of you have issues in the family, you've got battles, you've got struggles. Some of you have lost your job. Some of you are struggling financially, you need a better job, and you need it in a hurry. Some of you have a, have a, have a health need, there's a health need in your family. Some of you have, ha have outside influences and interference that is costing your family dearly, and you need it to stop, and you need it to stop today. Please, Dad, when we, when we start praying or singing in a minute, whenever, just take, bring your family up, and let us pray over them. Let us, let the prayer team, let our faith join with your faith today and let's believe God. Let's, let's believe God to do what needs to happen in your life, to do what needs to happen in your family. Some of you, your families have been just really sowing the wrong stuff for a long time. And so now that it's beginning to produce fruit, you're having to deal with that. Can we pray with you today? So, some of you have just started your family. And, you, and you, really, you, really, you really don't know what to do next. We're, we're, we're showing up on Sunday. Will you, help us, will you let us help you pray today? Can we pray over you today? Would you let us join our faith with your faith and pray? Here's, here's one more thing I want to give you, dads. Ushers have uh, a little vial of oil. Go ahead, ushers, if you will. All of the spiritual heads of the house, please take one of these out of the basket as they pass around. It's just a little vial of oil. I do, I do this every Father's Day. I think I've done it ever since we launched. We don't do traditions around 2911, but I guess this is one tradition that we have. If you're a spiritual head of the house, please take one of these. I mean, if you're a, a lady and you're the only one that's a Christian, or you're the oldest Christian, please take one. Everybody get one? Everybody got one? Okay. If, if they hadn't come to you, wave at them so they'll come to you, okay? You just hold up your hand, they'll, they'll come to you. And let me, let me tell you just a little bit about this, okay? Um, I thought about it uh, this morning. Last year, after Father's Day, I wrote a post that's, that speaks about this just a little bit. And um, so I, I realized, you know, I, I need to reshare that post again this afternoon. So I'm going to plan to do that. So if you, you don't know what, all the power that is here, then, then please. And if I forget to do that, somebody remind me this afternoon to reshare that. Let, but let me tell you this one, one little thing about this, okay? Is, is back, back to the Old Testament. It's one little thing is... They use the oil to mark things. Like the next, pre, the next priest or the next king was marked with the oil. People knew, okay, he's been marked. God's chosen him. So what we do with it, and you don't have to use the whole thing, you know, we just, just a little bit, but what we do with it is we mark things for miracles. 
It's like if you've got financial needs, go home, grab your checkbook, get a little oil on your finger and touch that checkbook and say, God, and listen, Dad, God listens to your prayers more than anybody. In the Old Testament, the people he set up to be in leadership, he listened to their prayers more than anybody else. Uh, that's all I can tell you. I can't, I don't, I'm not saying this is the way God chose to do it. So dad, he listens to your prayers. Spiritual head of the house, he listens to your prayers more than anybody else. Take a little bit of oil, touch that checkbook and say, I anoint my checking account. I mark my checking account for a miracle because we gotta have a, we gotta have a miracle. We gotta have a blessing. Somebody's sick in your house, a kid's sick in your house, anoint them. And touch their forehead with just a little, I mark you for a healing right now. Got a kid that's having trouble sleeping at night? Crawl in there in the middle of the night without them knowing. Take a little bit of oil and just anoint their footboard or headboard and say, I mark this bed for good dreams. I mark this bed for peace. I, that was one of my favorite things to do. I used to do. And uh, I, then my kids, when I grew up, they told me that sometimes they knew I came in there, but I think they liked knowing that their dad was sneaking in and praying those kinds of prayers over there in the middle of the night. That's what this is about, guys. There is no power in this oil, but there is power in obedience. And there is power in the prayer of a spiritual head of the house calling on God. So I send you home with this today so that you're armed and equipped and ready to do battle. Let me, let me tell you this last thing, and, and I really kind of got away from my last point, really, so I'm gonna throw it up here just real quick. If we're not careful like the Avengers, we will forget what's important and what's worth fighting for. Can I tell you what's worth fighting for? Those people you came to this front with today. The people standing around you right now, that's what is worth fighting for. More than anything else in this entire world, this is what's worth fighting for. Fight for it, guys. Nobody else is gonna win this battle. Nobody else is gonna win the battle of you having an amazing family. You have to win the battle. You have to fight. As we used to say, if this were easy, God would call little girls to do it. He called us to be men. Stand up, be the man. Come on, let's pray. And gentlemen.